Captain's Log, Stardate 75035.1 Operations and life aboard the station are at an all-time high. Lieutenant Commander Eric has taken the Vigilant out on a training exercise with our newest set of officers. Somehow, unexpectedly, Lone Star Station has finally become home. This episode of These Are the Voyages is dedicated to The Family One Chooses. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain, Captain Chase McKinney. And um, it has been a minute uh, since we had another episode or since we had our last episode. This month has certainly been weird with stuff. And uh, to join me in the weird stuffs once again is my good friend, David. Welcome back, David. How you doing, man? Hey, man, I'm doing good. It's good to yeah, it's good to be back. I mean, it's not like you've had to deal with anything over the past, you know, couple weeks or anything like that. Nothing new going on, so nothing at all. Not one tiny little thing at all. Oh, inside jokes. No, yeah, um, I, I think I put it in the last episode, but yeah, definitely welcomed um, our second child, our our son, into the world earlier in July, and uh, we actually got some nerdy photos. Uh, with him recently uh, in his little red shirt, his little TOS red shirt of sorts. We got him in, um, in a little father-son um, shirt set that uh, my friend Jenny and Scott sent us. And um, yeah, we, we did a newborn photo shoot recently and that was fun. Yeah, they, they were good. That, <laughs> that was good. That, it was good stuff. <laughs> there was, there's one, I don't know if I sent you this one, David, but there's one where um, I have like the little Rohan like little flag banner in the background and I have like um, Harrigrim that's like sitting like right on his little chair and stuff with you haven't seen that no I don't think you sent that one oh, I'm pretty shoot. sure that you, you you sent the uh all the all the Trek ones but I don't think you sent that one. oh yeah yeah there's definitely a Lord of the Rings there's one with Harrigrim and the um the banner of Rohan and a little um I don't know, like a leather bound something like fellowship journal that's oh, kind of sitting. And, um, yeah, it's, it, it was cute. It was cute. Um, so yeah, definitely nothing at all to occupy my time in the least in the least. So anyway, um, what's been happening in Ohio? Oh, geez. Um, in the outer rim of sorts. <laughs> Yeah, you know, not not a ton. Uh, you know, the, the world's still just trying to get get back together. You know, and um, you know, y- yesterday me and my brother actually went and saw a baseball game, like in a stadium with people around, and it was it was awesome. It was it was actually awesome. Uh, so that was nice. Unfortunately, like through a series of <laughs> somewhat unfortunate events and just getting older uh you know i i haven't really been able to do a ton of backpacking because you know one week you know i hurt my shoulder uh doing some lifting and then the next week i tweak my back to the point where i can't even like really lay straight on it so i'm feeling like a sad sack i'm not getting out on trail 
but you know, realistically, aside from all that stuff, I mean, it, it, it hasn't been it hasn't been too bad. You know, Ohio is Ohio. It's it's been pretty wet uh, and warm, but uh, you know, it's better than cold and snow. Uh, so <laughs> that's yeah, true. Just, you know, just trying to uh, make some plans to get out and do some stuff. And I've got a lot of things kind of lined up for really for next year. It's funny. Everybody talked about 2020, not 2020, the lost year. 2021 is going to be great. It's like I kind of feel like we're rolling two lost years here, you know, <laughs> and maybe 2022 will finally be when we when we get back to it. Because I also want to at some point get down to Texas and say hello to a few people because even even Eric's down there, you know, that's right. Yeah, everybody's just everybody's in Texas. That's right. And I, I was joking with you pre-show, but like, I mean, come on now. I got plenty of houses in my neighborhood for sale. <laughs> I mean, if you want one, let me know and I'll, I'll call dibs for you. Yeah, yeah, you've got plenty of houses, which is hilarious because in the Ohio area, our housing market is just it's ridiculous. One of my friends just recently bought a condo. But before that, uh, was going to buy another house and then they pulled it from the market and like demanded I think it was like an extra ten or fifteen thousand dollars on top of it to buy it it's like hold on a minute what, what, what's going on here but that you know mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on with that but thankfully I, I have a place and uh, maybe not forever but at least it's a place I don't have to deal with that kind of stuff right right you know with the the outdoor stuff that you were talking about I uh I've been kicking around the idea in my head and I'm kind of like mentioning it now and I might put my foot in my mouth later. I don't know. But I have been thinking about doing like a podcast, like away mission of sorts, uh, where, you know, maybe not, we don't have to do like a background check on people or anything, but like maybe we do like a camping trip or something. Um, yeah. Somewhere like in like Texas or Oklahoma, like meet at like, Beaver's Bend, um, which is like a pretty popular uh, state park in Oklahoma or, you know, somewhere in Texas. And we just like spend the weekend together um, just having like a little, I don't know, gathering party, whatever we want to call it eventually. I mean, that wouldn't be this year. That'd be sometime next year. Right. Well, I'd be down for that. I mean, it's it's been a while since I've been able to do any just out of state camping or hiking or backpacking or whatever you want to do particularly but Ohio actually has a reasonable amount of um, of trails and a lot of people think about oh it's a bunch of flatland and corn well I mean that is true in kind of like the northern half but if you go in the southern half of Ohio it's a lot different now there are also some terrible parts of southern Ohio too uh, just like probably any state Right. But, uh, but yeah, there are some really beautiful sections of the Wayne National Forest and all this protected land. And uh, yeah, you, you can get lost in some woods and, and uh, that's kind of kind of sort of my preferred thing, if I'm being honest. Yeah. But yeah, I think that'd be great. And it, I was um, and I'll get to this a little bit later on. But like in terms of like Star Trek movies, like there was a, a Star Trek movie I watched in preparation for uh, for this episode. But with, uh, with a certain particular one that is much derided, uh, we could sing, you know, we could do the whole like, like row, row, row your boat kind of thing at like our camp out. I'm just saying we could go final frontier style. That's what we should call it. The final frontier. 
<laughs> this is just evolving, like on the spot, on the air, like right now. Uh, well, you know that there is a lot of um, <clears throat> music in quotations in <laughs> Star Trek in general. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe Eric is insane, and we have to, you know, you know, sing that, uh, sing that. Ah, uh, shoot, an insurrection. Um, what was that play from? Oh, um, you're talking uh, a British tar. Yeah, yeah, that Are, one. Wait, did we just call Eric Data? Because that's like high no. praise. I think Eric would like that. <laughs> well, he's usually the one that has the answers if we don't remember an episode. Or that's something, true. So. That's true. Eric, I hope you're enjoying this right now. Congratulations, you're now Lieutenant Commander Data. <laughs> or something. Or pick a math term and that's who you are. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, yeah, and like a British, like I, every time I hear, um, hear British tar, it's weird. Either on Insurrection or Indiana Jones, I automatically think of the other movie. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Saul was. Uh, yeah, Sala sings it yeah, as Sala. Yeah, yeah, yeah. as they're about to get onto uh, Captain um, Katanga's ship to escape the that's Nazis. That's funny. I th- didn't. Wasn't there an episode of uh, Next Gen where uh, Crusher got uh, Jordy to sing it or like sing a part of it? I think. Um, it wasn't. I don't think it was that. It was the okay. Something um, else. It was like the really fast one that I can't remember the lyrics to. Um, oh yeah, yep. Okay, yeah. Very I, I, model of a something modern major general. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the one. Okay. Yes, music and stuff. Which it's which, not funny enough. Um, my dissertation is going to be on music, uh, which. There we go. Here in like a month or so, like hopefully this time, about this time next month, depending on when you're listening to it, um, in you know late August, early September of 2021, I'll be turning in my first two chapters of my dissertation and should be defending that, uh, do my dissertation proposal defense. And whew, yeah, that's going to be fun. Man. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's wild. That's wild. And there will probably be some, um, if if I'm not if if I'm being honest and I can swing it, there's probably going to be some Jerry Goldsmith, there's probably going to be some John Williams, some Michael Giacchino, um, and some other people that people, y'all have probably never ever heard of, like um, Eric Korngold, who's like from like the 1920s, who actually inspired John Williams. Um, and a lot of his music and a lot of music for another star or something show that um, came out like in the 70s. So, something yeah, like that. Yeah, just yeah. It's, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. But, wasn't very popular from what I remember. No, not at all. It was, it was, it was craptastic. It was horrible. Worst thing ever. So, by the way, y'all can't see us, but David and I are twinsies today while we're recording. So um, I thought I'd embarrass him. We're both wearing the same shirt. uh, There we go. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) For for the video. Maybe maybe we'll like uh, post a photo or something. I don't know, and put it in the group or something. Yeah, we have. um, um, I got I got some shirts made that I'm kind of trying out, and um, myself, Eric, and David, we have um, these like reversed like logo shirts it'll make sense once you see it but um yeah 
But yeah, th these were nice. The the uh, print was nice on there. Yeah, it's very good. So it's Star Shiny. Trek in the Star Wars font, and I have a Star Wars shirt in the Star Trek font, just to kind of mess with your mind right now. But yeah, music. Apparently, music is a thing for this particular um, episode today. Um, we did. David and I did a lot of chit chat beforehand, so I feel like we're kind of chit chatted out right now. Uh, maybe I don't know, but um, you know, we've been doing books like the last, like the last episode of each month. We've been doing books basically, and like any other book episode that we've we've done with y'all. Uh, this is not spoiler free, uh, or it is, but it isn't spoiler free. Um, and we're not going to like go into like all the minutia, every tiny little detail. We might pick up on some, but not spoiler free. And today we're going to be talking about, uh, Christopher Bennett's book, living memory. It came out, uh, shoot, when did that come out? It was end of middle to end of June. It's June. I think it was like June 20 something, 20 third or eighth or some random anyways it was end of june 2021 when it, came, when it released it looks like 15th it says so middle there we go yeah um so yeah this came out june 15th 2021 um and on the cover you have uh spock and uhura and um it's so it's an original series era book and um with this with this book though I think there's like some stuff that you, you probably uh, it would probably be in your best interest to check out like one or both things before you kind of dive into this. It, it's not necessarily important that you do, but like for extra background understanding, it might be good. And that is specifically looking at the season two TOS episode, The Changeling, um, and maybe even watching Star Trek The Motion Picture. Now, uh, for me, after I finished this book, um, I went back and I did watch The Changeling and it helped kind of remind me of some things. And I also watched The Sleeper, that is the motion picture, and um, it kind of helped in terms of like knowing where I was in the timeline. So, um, David, I think you said that you went in and you just started rewatching TOS. Is that right? Those old scientists? Yeah, so I, I, I kind of was feeling... Um original series watch through coming on so I, I i got through quite a bit of season one here recently uh so yeah i mean that was kind of nice nice to get back into however i will say that it was definitely like yep i know this one 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 so <laughs> you know it's kind of funny because like sometimes with um with like ds9 or I guess somewhat to a lesser extent now the next generation where I'll go back for a rewatch and I might pick out new things for some reason this first season I was like yep 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 <laughs> and my goodness those episodes are long yep they're so much longer than modern TV which I both love and then you know also I'm like you know yeah, let's I, get some budget in here I've looked at some of although, them although no I was just about to say although they do have some remastering. Um, I'm really bad with episode names. Uh, but anyway, there are a couple that very clearly had had a little bit of a push on. Mm -hmm. You know, just just, uh, just, just, just a little bit of, little bit of help. Uh, and then other ones, it's like, 
The funniest thing is seeing the inside of a shuttlecraft at this time. And they're all crouched. <laughs> they can't really fully stand up in the shuttlecraft. <laughs> they're all just like on one knee next to each other on terrible carpet. Mm-hmm. Man, 60s TV was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like I remember like the first time I watched it and or I was watching the original series um, on it was like Netflix at the time and uh, I, I looked at like I was just watching it and I'm like man is this ever going to end and I, I go and I look and like the episode's like 50 55 56 yeah. some odd minutes and I'm like what they got away with this in the 60s the other thing too is is you're not talking about like 10 12 15 episode seasons either like this is when a season was gigantic um that happened a lot really before it it, it's really more of a modern phenomenon that a lot of these network television shows there was just a lot of television and although uh the original series was only three seasons correct right yeah, even though it was only three seasons, there's actually quite a bulk of of content there. Because, again, it, it, it just wasn't limited like modern television is. I mean, heck, we, we, we were talking about The Bad Batch, you know, Star Wars The Bad Batch. I had 16 episodes, which was flipping people out. 16 episodes? What? How are you <laughs> going to do 16 episodes on this? Well, I mean, clearly it's historically possible, but just not how tv is right right and we've even said that with uh, discovery too right and um just to, since we're talking about tv for a hot second um just recently we had the san diego comic-con panels that happened and we had finally a teaser trailer for uh, star trek prodigy still no date like specific date for release but we do know now that Star Trek Prodigy is going to be releasing fall of 2021. So we are going to be getting it this fall. And it is going to release on Nickel- on um, not Nickelodeon. It's going to release on Paramount Plus first before it's released on uh, Nickelodeon. So there you go. And for all the parents out there, all the, the Star Trek parents and the Star Trek kids out there, they um, uh, I don't get any uh, royalties for this. I wish I did. But... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the Star Trek shop right now, they just released something where there's a parent-child shirt combo. So you better believe I went and um, got myself and Elena something for Star Trek Prodigy for whenever it airs. So, nice. Um, anyways, they got they got stuff um, on the shop uh, in preparation for it. And, of course, um, um, the other show, Lower Decks, is going to be coming out August 12th. So we have, we have New Trek on the horizon. But, yeah. Um, long, long episodes. Now, I think um, just if we can do like a quick drive-by fruiting of The Changeling um, before we really start talking about the book, that might help some things, like I was saying. Um, So Changeling, season two episode of the original series, pretty popular episode, I would say. Pretty very memorable episode. Um, Yeah, this is when we first met Odo. There we go. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> Terrible joke. I'll just go away now. Be quiet. Be quiet, you. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the changeling, not the puddle thing from Deep Space Nine, not the founder, right? But it's uh, th- this episode is about a piece of advanced technology 
that originally what came from Earth. Spoilers. Major spoilers. Uh, that has evolved and evolved and evolved, and shenanigans ensue, just like every episode of the original series. And uh, what we find out, uh, or what we see happening, is Uhura is singing at one point, and things happen with Uhura. And then there's stuff that um, Scotty is doing, and stuff happens with Scotty. And the rest of the episode is basically putting Humpty Dumpty back together, is essentially what it's what's happening, and getting Nomad, which is the name of this character, that's causing all the shenanigans off the Enterprise. Would you say that's pretty pretty much it? Yeah, I mean, basically, um, yeah, pretty much. It it, it is. Uh, it's interesting that this is. It's a very interesting episode, mainly because, I mean, without diving too much, I mean, Nomad came from Earth. You kind of already said that. Well, <laughs> before this whole thing. But anyway, we do send stuff into space, not just people, you know, probes and things like that. And uh, with the... I, <laughs> the distraction of aliens conspiracy theories mm -hmm. it is kind of interesting to uh, to postulate on if somebody actually found one of these things that we put out there like uh, I mean there's movies about this there's there's a lot of media about like oh the alien finding so and so that was playing classical music and you know whatever uh, I watched a lot of X-Files when I was a kid <laughs> so uh, I, I do think that's that's kind of interesting when you had a, a theory here where Nomad effectively runs into other alien technology and where two good things kind of came together to create a bad thing. Mm -hmm. So it was an interesting premise. Very interesting premise. And a lot really packed into a show. Yes. And kind of how like knowing like what happens to one of the characters which we kind of pick up on in this book um how it's just kind of glossed over um like yeah. it's just like a very quick yeah like oh yeah everything's fine yay and now here we are it just it just seemed very interesting which is or not, not not interesting it just it didn't feel right like especially after rewatching it and like the the um the emotional baggage, if I can just like put it that way, that it kind of leaves you with, um, yeah. and I think that's what kind of I think that was a very interesting choice that Christopher Bennett, the author of Living Memory, made, you know, in terms of like revisiting it and like kind of like the long-lasting, longitudinal type of impact that that particular original series episode had. On these characters now of course this is not canon unfortunately but I wish it was because I well we'll get into that I, I just really liked I liked what, what he did with it basically and you know I, I sometimes complain about you know other fandoms when they try and do you know tie-in books or whatever comics maybe for you know popular subject matter but what they miss is really the essence of the story and like you kind of alluded to the episode you know, it ends with a nice little bow because that's how television is done. You have to wrap it up or you do an arc, but 
I don't really know much about like 60s television. I don't know much about the industry, but like, were there a lot of arcs then? Because to me, anything that I've ever watched that has been older usually wraps up. So it was an interesting choice, but probably the right choice for one of these sort of tie-in books. At least in my opinion, it was the right the right choice because you know, in in Star Wars right now what we're getting is a lot of new stories, right? And that's cool. Uh, some would say me uh, that <laughs> what would be really neat is if we had if we actually knew what Luke Skywalker was doing in between episode six and force awakens, I think that'd be cool. Like actually like his journey and we've only gotten smatterings of that here and there. But, uh, but the other thing that we talked about during discovery that annoyed me a bit about discovery is that there wasn't individual character development. Like there always was in prior shows, including next gen deep space, whatever. And this was cool because you are moving into a character, which let's be honest about it, uh, they kind of had to be a little careful about at the time of this show. Because in the 1960s, there wasn't really much diversity mm. mm -hmm. in much. And, um, you know, the, kind of the cool part of the show was you had all of these different ethnic backgrounds, nationality, very almost stereotypical nationalities, but still nationalities and everything working together in tandem to run a ship in deep space where nobody has ever gone before. So I think it was cool that we, we got a little bit more highlight on, uh, on the particular character because um, sometimes uh, that wasn't really there as much right and, and, and you and you always get like 10 spock stories and kirk stories and well yeah and you you mean you you have like the the trio right like that you got to focus on i mean whether it's whether it's kirk spock mccoy it's harry right. hermione ron or it's any other fandom you got to focus on yeah. like who your core is because like that's what's going to anchor people in and which makes sense but again that was like a, a conversation we had with all the discovery rewatches it's like who is reese who is this lieutenant that I never remember their name? And just having a little bit into those people sometimes makes a world of difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and even, even watching, um, and this is like a good segue, but even like watching the original cast in their in their um, original like original series movies, right? Like, again, you're still getting like the hyper-focus on the Kirk, the Spock, the McCoy. Because again, they are still the trio. They're the yeah, leads right. of the show. And you're you get like, I think you get a little bit more Scotty than you do Ahura, um, or whoever else is going to be thrown in. And yeah, uh, uh, Ahura, uh, Sulu, and Chekhov—they they kind of they're there, and they they I I feel like they were appropriately peppered in. You know more so than sometimes we get modern, but yeah, the the, the trio, and then there's something special about about Scotty though. James he's a miracle Dupont's worker. A, I mean, he, was, he was a treasure. He, he just, he, you know, it's funny because, like, even in the book, they described, like, when he talks, he sometimes get a glint in his eye when really that that guy could actually produce a glint in his eye, you know? Mm -hmm. So I like good actors sometimes. So. 
<laughs> sometimes it sometimes it becomes more about the actor than the actual character that they're portraying. Sure. And then they just become the character. So. Sure. Sure. Yeah, and I, I talked about like I talked about um, James Doohan, Jimmy Doohan, um in a recent episode, and, like in what he did for a particular fan, like to kind of save their life, which was an amazing story. And if you haven't heard it, you need to go either listen to our episode. You should listen to that episode, by the way. Or um, go watch uh, the documentary Trekkies because it's in there yeah. too. Uh, but yeah, like Uhura, like if I'm if I'm thinking, and I'm, I'm maybe I'm doing like some not doing her any justice, but like um, what is it? Um, search search for Spock, right? Like you see her for like a hot second, um, kind of like talking to like a low ranking um, transporter officer, or whatever, on a space station. Um, throwing him in a broom closet, and then yeah. you see her at, see her at the very end, basically like on Vulcan, yeah. and then you see her doing some stuff. Um, I think it's with uh, with Chekhov in the whale movie yeah. in Voyage Home. Vo- vo- yeah, Voyage. Yeah, they, they're stealing the the nuclear energy. The nuclear vessels. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're looking for and the she, nuclear vessels. And she gets out, you know, but. And then she dances, and then she dances on a hill in Final Frontier, which people would probably forget about that movie. It's not that bad, y'all. It's not that bad. It's really not that bad. So, um, uh, anyway, so this particular book, uh, we've we've been rambling, but that's okay. I think it's it's been good. Um, Living Memory, by Christopher Bennett. This book takes place and you and you crack up if you crack open the thing or you listen to um, the audiobook it tells you where this is placed so for people that don't have the audiobook or haven't read it this takes place six years um, after so it's sandwiched immediately between uh, the motion picture and wrath of Khan it's six years after and before if that makes sense um, that's when this takes place which that's just kind of weird for me to think that 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 much time had had elapsed between the motion picture and Wrath of Khan, like, because motion yeah. picture came out in 1979, and I believe, if my thinker is working right, Wrath of Khan came out in 1982. You are correct. Wow, look at that. I know yeah, a thing. I, I was actually looking that up. <laughs> so you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> but like I mean I know it's only been like it's only like three of our actual years but and like you can do whatever you want like with a movie of course and like how you write it but I don't know like it's just it, I don't know like that's just like weird that there's that much time that has taken place between the anyways I'll just leave it alone right I'll leave it alone so um all right so knowing that that nomad is kind of a thing um what maybe we can just talk very uh, generally about like the kind of the story um kind of like what what's happening generally in the story and then we can kind of talk about some of like our like our standout moments maybe some moments that yeah. kind of made us tilt our head a little bit like eh, i don't know about that and then kind of just yeah. kind of sum it up and wrap it up how's that sound yeah i mean realistically i think there's really two major parts there's an a and a b story oh definitely realistically yeah um and i I don't think it's too spoilery really because uh, obviously if you kind of i mean you gave the timeline so we have you know kirk is basically heading up uh 
the academy. Right. He went from being this point. he went from being um, um, head of Starfleet operations, which is what he was in the motion picture, to now being at the academy over the academy. So uh, that's that's where we're at with this so and, and uh, that always starts the dichotomy though because it was always a kind of a thing with um with picard as well almost you know fighting the admiralty you know yo I, i'll never be an admiral i'll be a captain until i die and you know it's funny because like throughout the story i almost get a little sad because you think about the whole the whole thing with the original series is it was a five-year mission and then it was like it was done and then everybody just kind of went there. You know, some got some promotions. They went their separate ways, and it, it, it's you know it's it's always there's always a story of ending, especially when you're when you're kind of looking at you know a pseudo military sort of thing here. But <laughs> Captain Kirk, you know, uh, oh yeah, I'm gonna teach the youth of tomorrow. Okay, <laughs> you're gonna teach him how to cheat the test. You know, the Kobayashi Maru again. I mean, what what are we doing? What are we doing, Jim? Well, wouldn't you want, wouldn't you want, like, the only person that be the Kobayashi Maru to teach you, David? Well, I mean, I guess. I don't know. I don't know that his answer would necessarily help me very much. But what you have to do is cheat. Oh. Thanks. No, it's not cheating, David. It's changing <laughs> okay. the conditions of the test. I mean, listen, what timeline are we talking about here, okay? Because one gets you in trouble and one doesn't quite get you in trouble. So. Yeah, one gets you in trouble, one, one gets you a commendation. Yeah. One gets you demoted, one gets you, you know, sitting on the, uh, on the underground facility eating an apple with your old lady. I mean... Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and, and I guess, I guess uh, just kind of a mild question for you. So when you think about the, the timelines, yeah, because obviously timeline, you know, this is no time to talk about time. We don't have the time, David. Oh, uh, we we always have the time. We always have the time. No, I, I was just going to ask about the actresses who portrayed Ahura. You know, do, do you think that do you, do you think that the what is it? The Kelvin timeline? Is that what we're calling the? Yeah. You know, the, OK, the, the, the shiny movies. Um, so what, what do you think about the, the difference between actresses? Do you think it was like portrayed maybe better or more in the forefront in the newer movies or like in the original series? Like which of horror do you kind of prefer? The Zoe Saldana one versus Nichelle Nichols? Yeah. I mean, that's like, I mean, y you got to stick with the original. But no, I mean, I like, so I like Zoe Saldana's um, portrayal. Same. Of, of, well, I just like her in of, general. Yeah, I mean, I think she's—I think she's a brilliant actor, actor, actress, whatever, whatever we're calling them these yeah. days. Um, thespian. She's a wonderful thespian. There we go. Are you sure that's proper? <laughs> thespian. 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 <laughs> no, I, I like her, um, and I did think it was kind of interesting. And this does kind of um, lead me to like a, a head tilt kind of thing that's in the book um, which I don't know if I uh, you already said it it's too late you gotta say it now oh, dang it David this, this is why you're only on once a month that's that's it there is no editing on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> we don't edit what you, what you hear is what you get no um, 
um, part of so like whenever whenever like the Zachary Quintos, the Chris Pines, the um, like all the all the cast that was in the the 2009 Calvin timeline movies, right? They were all hired on to, and they were all asked to essentially adopt like one particular mannerism that like the original counterpart did um, and to also create something new. Now that's not my, that's not my nitpick necessarily. It's, um, I, I could be going off the reservation on this and Eric will probably talk sternly to me on his car speaker right now um, as he's hearing this. But it's been my understanding that um, um, Uhura was just meant to be a one-name thing. Like, that was it. Like, it was just supposed to be Swahili for freedom. That was it. And the Neota thing was um, was added by Zoe Saldana um, and the writers in the 2009 J.J. films. So, like, that's the only thing, like... I don't know if I like that and the fact that it's being used in the book. So like I'm getting, I'm kind of getting out, out of the timeline right now in terms of our discussion, but like, no, it, it, it is kind of a good thing because like the first time I heard it said in the book, I was like, Neota. Oh, right. Yeah. They did put that in there. Mm-hmm. So I was like, wait a minute. Was that her first name? And I was like, I had to look it up real quick. It's like, Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to say the kissing. You know, kissing Spock. Well, I mean, that's you're gonna say that's what you wanted to see. You know, mm, I'm good. The romance. No, no, no. Like that's the thing. Like if there was gonna be any romance, like I would have thought there would have been any, like romance between Scotty and Uhura because like there was like some flirting stuff. I thought in the movies. Yeah. You know, in like the original movies, and like I don't know how much interaction there actually was on the show with the two characters, but the movies, like there was like some kind of flirting, some kind of something between them and like whenever the Spock thing happened like with Zoe and um, Zachary I was like hmm I'm calling shenanigans on that one you know she she likes a strong silent type the logical type apparently 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 no engineers man (sighs) anyway you always put stuff off Scotty you always give me weird time frames for stuff I don't know. I know it'll only take you 30 minutes, not an hour. <laughs> How long did it take you to cold start that engine? Anyway. But um but yeah, your your question was like what do I think of like the of that actor of that actor? Yeah, I well, I I guess more specifically like cuz when I read the book, I saw Michelle Nichols. So did I. Like I didn't even I didn't even for a second think of zoe in this case and then it was like afterwards i was like yeah i did like that but i i automatically went right to nichelle nichols that's the face my imagination saw as soon as i started in here mm-hmm. not because of the jacket i mean i just did the audiobook for this one but mm-hmm. i mean i think i think a lot of us are going to think that way right like the older fans i mean i'm not going to say everyone but the older fans are going to associate more with the original cast of course um and I, I don't know like yeah i mean yes i have the book like right in front of me so of course i'm going to see it but like uhura is always going to be nichelle for me yeah spock is always going to be leonard leonard nimoy for me yeah 
not not uh, Ethan Peck, not Zachary Quinto, or someone else. Um, like Spock is Spock, the, and Ethan, the Ethan Peck one wasn't bad. I know I I didn't mind that at all. I don't mind Ethan Peck either. I mean, he finally shaved his beard, so that's good. Dude, you gotta have the beard. The beard's good. <laughs> <laughs> although, although I will say, it seems like we're going back to mustaches, mustache only, like an '80s party. Mullets and mustaches for everyone. Oh man. <laughs> okay, so side trail. Time for a side trail. So I was in a wedding uh, for one of my friends uh, about a year ago, and it was at the rehearsal. And uh, uh, one of the the family members of, um, I think it was like the cousin of the groom, um, was like standing at the back of the church. And this kid, man, like he had to have been like 14, 15 years old. He had an excellent mullet, dude. Like his mullet was like excellent. And like he had like a little bit of bowl cut action going on the front and like and like the rat tail mullet thing going on the back. Oh no. And um and one of my one of my buddies who was in the I was I was one part of the bridal party, I was one of the groomsmen, one one of my buddies, he elbows me, he's like, Hey, hey, look back there. Don't you just feel safe right now? Don't you just feel safe knowing that he's there? It's like Spider Man, man. <laughs> like I'm he, telling you, it's it's confusing. It's confusing, Chase. It, it, everybody's dressing like like my parents did in the '90s. It's it's just it's confusing. I don't know what to think about it. I feel there like so many mustaches at that baseball game. I wanted to like go home and just shave so I could be as cool as everyone else. <laughs> there was one guy. He was a suavest dude I've seen in a long time. He had the the way short shorts. They even rolled up a little bit. His mm. shirt was just about three buttons down just chest all open it's like majestic creatures out there with their mustaches and short shorts it's like we're we're on the we're on the set of uh of like miami vice now you know we got to get some white going it'll be it'll be fantastic full white suits just in the hot it's just different time it's just different time mullets and miami vice i think we've checked all the boxes that we had intended to david I think so. And a majestic so anyway, creature. About this that's, book. Some, that's some great alliteration right there. <laughs> All right. Um, so now that we've talked about majestic creatures and mullets, um, in this book, we do have two main stories. I think one, and I'm kind of telling on myself right now, one I think is a much stronger story over the other. So we have one story that focuses on Uhura, Right. And like what happened in the changeling and like time that's occurred since then. Yeah. And like these storms that are happening in space and like random places. Right. And then we have the we have like this Starfleet Academy Kirk storyline because Kirk sells books for crying out loud. I mean, you got to have something with Kirk in it for crying out loud Um, where he's grappling with, you know, being part of the administration now, essentially. That's really what his story's about, is like really being part of administration and um, essentially um, he's he's having to defend what Starfleet is and what it stands for um, to this alien race um, that we have seen only like, seen and heard from only like a handful of times. The um, um, Arcturians. 
turns. Yeah, and it's 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 interesting because there there are a lot of just general th even if you didn't want to go over the plot, you could go over so many different themes. You know, with with the Arturians and their warborn and how how that should in my opinion fit better into the Federation than and, and they were very honest about it in this book and why it was such a problem that I mean j just generally we're, we are admitting a select group of these warborn to the academy and they essentially were created for war as their name implies and kind of their thought of sort of is like I don't know. It sort of seemed to me that they're like just a second class sort of not long lived race. They don't have any room on, on their planet. And, and that, that kind of reminded me of, um, I wish I remembered episodes better, but there was the, there was the one episode where, uh, we encountered the planet with the super soldiers and one of them escaped and like, he couldn't be read by their sensors type of deal. But he wouldn't actually hurt anybody unless they showed violence towards him. And they were put on a penal colony on the moon, but they didn't want to live there. They wanted to actually come back, and, you know, the society was shunning them. So it was actually, I felt the parallel there. Well, the this the, the Warborn um, that we're talking about, um, honestly, the image that I had in my mind were the Jem'Hadar, if I'm being completely honest. Makes sense, yeah. I mean, the Jem'Hadar from, from DS9, the Divinian uh, War and all that stuff, like knowing like i mean of course they they describe in the book like what these aliens look like so i'm i'm literally like just doing like a craptastic little photoshop in my head of like i am cutting the head i'm cropping the head and i'm putting it on top of a gem hadar and that's what i'm seeing in my mind as they're yeah. going through all this stuff by the way that episode was called the hunted there we go I do actually like to remember stuff, but it's hard sometimes. <laughs> that was a good episode, though. But again, like, you know, the, these folks are bred for war, and, and they weren't technically even supposed to happen, but they're there. And it was very interesting, sort of their own indoctrination to continue to have them do it. It almost created basically like a cult within their ranks. True story. So that... That was very interesting, and then even the um, the protest against having them there seemed really anti-Federation, but at the same time, it seemed very Federation because they're they're bred for war, and we're not supposed to be war, even though all we do is have conflict. Yeah, you know? yeah. I think if I mean without like just painting completely over it, like I felt like the whole Kirk storyline, the Starfleet Academy, the Warborn stuff with Portia, the whole thing, that storyline was all paradox, right? Like it was, it was very paradoxical in like philosophical paradox is really what it was. Uh, yeah. I think that's like the best way to describe his storyline. Um, and, and of course, like with Kirk, you get the, the yearning, um, especially like in the beginning and parts of like the middle of the story as well, where he's trying to finagle his way back into outer space like to be on the enterprise every chance he gets man he is he is itching yeah. to get back on the bridge a bridge doesn't matter yeah i did think that was funny and then 
plus you, you constantly had the reminders of other admirals and people he was dealing with that's like you have to learn like to do this because this is this is your job you have to learn your position better it's like you can't just keep jumping off and everything you're not a captain anymore type of deal which again we saw the struggle in the movies we, we constantly see that struggle and it's like i mean just like just like give up the admiral just like go back bust yourself down get busted down i don't know cheat on a test or something and get busted down which eventually like, he does do but <laughs> technically like, but that's, so. the, that's the thing that i just don't understand you know because like you 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 know we, we meet admirals um throughout the series and i know like we, i know like we're like as the audience like we're conditioned to don't trust the admiralty because they're gonna done mess it up yeah they got some sinister crap going on but like there are plenty of admirals that have their own ship for crying out loud right and they might not have a captain as their xo they might have a commander or a lieutenant commander or something or a commodore or whatever yeah that's going to be their xo but admirals can still have their own ship so i think there could have been an opportunity of course there wasn't but there could have been an opportunity for kirk to have had like the enterprise or the pick a random name that sounds cool uh, for him to for him Te- to, to be in charge of. Yeah, technically he does sort of still have the Enterprise, but it's actually captained by Spock, but he can, like, go do stuff sometimes mm-hmm. if he's not needing to grade some tests or whatever. What right. exactly does he do there? <laughs> he's the Commandant of Cadets, which means that, I mean, he's in charge of the Academy, basically. But yeah, but yeah, what does what's yeah, what's he actually do? <laughs> but yeah, I, I I don't know. That that storyline was um I agree. It is more of a paradox because it it exposes both the compassion but also the hypocrisy not just of the federation but also of this uh of this other race as well. And um Sometimes I really wish we could provide more answers than questions sometimes, especially nowadays with everything that goes on, and we don't always have answers. Uh, Sometimes it's nice to get into a book and have an answer. And the end to that storyline was actually fairly depressing. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But hey, at least least we got got McCoy a gal, so that's fun. (laughs) At least temporarily. For, for now. Yeah, until at least Wrath of Khan. Or the next book before Wrath of Khan. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, the storyline with Uhura, right? Like some, some random storm stuff happening in space um, that lines up with, like, random random places the Enterprise has been. Yeah, what, what do they call them? Uh, like, they're like gravity wells or something like that? Yeah, it was like plasma... Like small like, microscopic wormholes or whatever. Yeah, it was like that and like some like plasma discharge stuff like all wrapped up together. Yeah, I, I gotta say the, the, the idea of that, the whole plot of that is um, quite frankly both very interesting and also insanely scary. Uh, but and it also kind of gets a, a little bit of an element of time as well, which I always tread really lightly on because I, do, I really don't like time things. It, it, oh, it's I know too much. Oh, I know you don't. But um, 
but no, I thought I thought it was fun. You know, Ahura's uh, uh, search for knowledge led her in a direction that really opens up the universe more than it already has been in a really fantastic way, mm-hmm. almost unbelievable way. Well, I mean, it's fiction, so. But still, like. I kind of want to just like start talking about like what I like. Um, yeah, go for it. So I'm an academic. Eric's an academic, right? Like we're we we're into like teaching and research and stuff like that. Um, and I gotta say that this story did so much good for Uhura um, as yeah. her not just being like the person that answers the phone on the bridge, right? And says like, this is what's up. Like this lady, this commander, right? She like on her off time is doing like some amazing research. Um, absolutely phenomenal research like you were hinting at. And it just gives her so much more depth that the show and the movies would never be able to do in my opinion. Well, it, it shows it shows what a specialty actually is in this universe. It's not like you're not just answering comms. You have a specialty in communications, which means you know all about uh, carrier waves and how to you know increase range or whatever stuff. Um, I was trying to think about an uh, Enterprise uh, Hoshi. Mm-hmm. You know, her thing was languages. Like, she literally kind of built universal translators or helped, you know, kind of... Uh, Jumpstart it, kickstart it, yeah. And that's a... I mean, that's a huge thing. You're not just answering, oh, the screen on, hailing frequencies open. No, there, there, there's so much more to that. And so I agree. I, I did like the expansion. It was really neat. Yeah. Um, the fact that we learned more about her family to a certain extent, too... Yeah. was pretty was excellent um, the way that we arrived at it was very heartbreaking at the same time too yeah uh, um, so again like we had like this duality this paradox kind of thing kind of going on with this particular story did you feel um, uncomfortable with the the bow of hers Yeah, and so a, a couple of things. One, I like when you, when whatever medium of content highlights family because family is important. Family can get you through a lot, um, and they can also be a source of strength, which we know from Uhura's whole kind of storyline that before Nomad, family played a huge role in her life, and then Nomad kind of took that away, and she was able to sort of refine that again. But as far as, yes, her long, long lost love that would have potentially taken her out of Starfleet and away from the adventures, I think that um, I wanted to bring this up specifically to you because you, you kind of have a little bit more of an insight into the mind, maybe more so than I do, again, from more of a, an academic standpoint than I would. But... <laughs> You know, you talk about like processing grief and, you know, all the steps and the phases and WandaVision and everything. Um, 
I felt like his his reaction and some of his language just did not fit the in quotations crime. And I felt that it, it, it felt to me like I was almost like wanting to, well, pull a Scotty and like be very protective of Ahura. It's like, listen here, USOB. Let me tell you exactly what happened and why you. But I will say this. In my opinion, he sort of did redeem himself when he finally worked through his emotions towards the end and he realized what he had actually been so angry about. Right. Was that he was disappointed more in himself and it had nothing to do with Ahura. And that, to me, shows some development. But I did feel really uncomfortable at the beginning. Uh, and then I, I felt like, at least to me, it did smooth out mm-hmm. satisfactorily to me. Yeah. Yeah, I. Uh, I guess I guess I can mention this. Um, one thing that I, one example that I use with clients that that I bring up with clients when it comes to um, decision making and challenging thoughts and um, like being like having your brain be juiced. Like whenever whenever you're angry, whenever you're upset, whenever you're super happy, like pick an emotion. Like whenever it is in the driver's seat of your brain. Your brain is juiced, and you cannot think logically. You can't think rationally when your brain is juiced. And sometimes it takes like an outside message to get yourself to slow the heck down and to challenge a thought. So the example that I bring up on purpose, because it is a pop culture thing, is the whole like shields up red alert. Like I I specifically tell my clients like, you know, let's just use this for now, but you can come up with your own thing later. Like, shields up, red alert. What's that mean? Well, when a captain says that, it's to alert the crew, like, hey, something's about to happen. And two, we got to put ourselves in, like, a defensive posture just in case. Like, we have to be ready to challenge things. And the same thing, like, with a depression, with an anxiety. You know, like, I'm the worst person ever. No, you're not. Like, you feel that way. Like, you, you're not good at this right now, but that doesn't mean that you won't be. It's like, that's kind of like forcing yourself to slow down and challenge a thought. It's not easy at first, but um, I forget exactly where I was going with that, but with him, um, yeah, like he might have had his brain juiced and maybe he needed like a shields up red alert kind of thing going on, but like the stuff, some of the stuff that he was like saying and like how he was describing it, I was like, I don't trust this dude. Like, I just, I just don't trust him because like he was nuts for, for Uhura. Like he was, he was Gaga. Like he, he wanted her like so bad. And I'm like, is he like throughout the, like throughout all the times he was speaking, I was like, is he just saying this crap to try and win her over? Like, is he just making stuff up just to make stuff up just so we can get his girl back like that? Like, and knowing what happened to her and like, is he taking advantage of her? Like that's, that was my entire thought process throughout this entire book with him. So I had a very hard time uh, trusting him period. No, I, I, yeah, I, I definitely, definitely see that as well. And I, I would also, I also just had a thought, you know, okay, so we take him for face value and it was always, it, it kind of got the impression that the whole, their relationship was basically kind of one-sided in a way from a love standpoint. And then all of a sudden after you, crack the proverbial code then everything falls into place you know 
Of course I love you. I've always loved you. Uh, <laughs> how many times does it happen outside of a Nicholas Sparks novel? You know what I mean? Right. Like how right. many how many letter how many letters do I have to send to you in, in order for I you to wrote love you me? every single day. <laughs> what do you want? I don't know. Uh yeah, I just <laughs> I, 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 it, it felt strange, and then even to kind of touch on a little bit of the other storyline with kind of uh, McCoy sort of trying to play matchmaker for Kirk. And, and really, Kirk's psychology there seemed to be like, eh, I'm just not, I, I'm not there. I'm not there, man. You know, go find your own thing while you're eating that turkey sandwich, all right? And your baked beans. Don't, don't, don't worry about me. I'll, I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I, I'm with you. That relationship was kind of strange. But, I mean, if you take it at face value, all's well that ends well. They did seem to end friends. And then he goes back to his wife and child <laughs> that he just left for this adventure. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you think you... Th- oh, never mind. Well... The fate of the universe is in your hands. <laughs> Good luck. Godspeed. We're all counting on you. Don't mess it up. <laughs> um, yeah. So the, the the work that Uhura's doing, right? Like like I was starting to say, um, like all this stuff that she's doing on her on her downtime, like this research and like these these different things that she's trying out uh, with like carrier bands and waves and jargon I can't remember yeah um and the and just like the importance of it um and and like how we kind of see it kind of pay out pay off later on right um yeah and, and just the fact that you have it, it's 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 a very um it's very layered um, in the sense, it's very layered. And what I mean by that is we have like the layer of Uhura and her forgetting stuff because she was made to forget by Nomad. Um, like what family was, what a bunch of things were, like who she was up to that point. Um, and then we have this reaching out to someone, to something, whatever, and then forgetting that there was even um, any an attempt or success of a contact and feeling this isolation. So we have this isolation right. with Uhura and like all the spider webs that that involved. And we also had this isolation with this other thing that had been trying to connect with someone but was unable to connect. And um, it just felt very... Like this just felt like very quintessential Star Trek to me. Like of all the books yeah. that we've we've done, like this has this so far has felt like the most Star Trek story we've read so far. Oh, I agree. I mean, communication has always been such a huge part. I mean, whether it's communicating with, you know, a, spe- a space creature suckling on your ship, and really by that I mean shocking it off. But anyway, mm-hmm. whatever communication works, get it done. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> the communication has always just been a huge part. Um, and it's listening. It's just it's listening to what's going on 
figuring out different ways to listen, realizing that, you know, you won't always be able to perceive the message, but as long as you keep working on it, you'll get there. But the other thing, too, about this storyline that it, it brings up uh, kind of a fundamental question. If you realize, if you realize the end and whatever that might mean, if you realize the end, the proverbial end, the doors, the end, the song, what do you do? You know, what, what, and I don't think that that's answerable really necessarily, but it's just like a thought, a thought exercise. What do you do if you realize the end of whatever? And in this case, it was communicate was the answer. And that's, um, that's pretty grown up stuff. Right. And, and to add to that layer of this whole communication, which I think, I think we're hitting the nail on the head when it comes to like the theme, right. Is even with, um, help me. Uh, why am I, I'm completely spacing on his name, a boyfriend that we were talking about. Oh. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah. But anyways, like <laughs> while you're looking it up, like just like even then, like just communicate, you know, like, I mean, Ahura literally didn't know that she didn't know. And she's had, she had to figure things out. Like she had to get relearned real good. Um, like with all those Game Boy cartridges at the end of the changeling, like, like she had to relearn her whole job, which that yeah. brings up a question for me. Like if we can just put in like some Game Boy cartridges on a TV screen and we can get you like up to being um, a communications officer on a bridge in like a couple hours. Why do we need Starfleet Academy? Well, I mean, realistically, <laughs> wasn't that more just because she has like that whatever photographic memory or whatever they want to whatever they said it was it isn't that why she was able to learn because it's like one shot one kill sure. type of deal yeah. <laughs> yeah if you could just if you can just matrix yourself in like I'm going to put this car game cartridge in the back of your neck you might feel a slight pinch <laughs> I know Kung Fu show me show me <laughs> uh, yeah that would be that would be interesting but yeah, because she, she was kind of... I, I don't know. I didn't get to re-watch the episode, but they kind of made it sound like she was sort of not quite an empty vessel, but darn near an empty vessel. She was. And they just fill, filled her back up, you know? It's yeah. just pretty crazy. Which, I mean, that goes into, like, the whole family thing because we have her, like, essentially saying, like, my family was the Enterprise after this. Yeah. So like I had no reason to look for anything else because this was my this was this is my family. And of course like we see like that develop even more in this book which is a very sweet thing like that that you that you read through that you um that you get to experience but like the communication and the family I think are like the two main themes, very powerful themes. And I think I think that is like the thread that really runs through all of the original series, like the the show and the movies. More, I think, more so than even like the spinoff uh, TV shows and movies. Yeah, 
Yeah, I agree. Which, coincidentally, I just want to let you know, for some reason, even looking at names, nothing comes to mind. I don't remember that guy's name. Like, I literally don't remember his name at all. They yeah, said it like terrible. they said it like so many times. What was his, what was his <laughs> stinking name, man? It's like I'm looking at this list of names, and, like, they are just not – There, there's no sense memory here. Like, I have nothing. Uh, I mean, I, I got down to Morning Nectar and had a laugh about that because I remembered that character. That was fun. <laughs> Their name is Morning Nectar. They're also Insectoid, which I thought was fun. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, so w- what did you think about some of the cameos, though? Because we had we had uh, Christine Chapel mm-hmm. there for a little bit, which I thought was kind of, kind of fun. We had Colonel uh, Cartwright. Yeah, Cartwright, yeah, yeah. Um, Before he became a traitor. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> He's good now. Uh, or was Sulu he? Sulu has a daughter, a mystery daughter. Who does? Sulu. Oh, Demora. Mystery daughter. Demora, yeah. yeah. Well, she was she was in Generations. Yeah, no, it's, it's just like, oh, there she is. Yeah. And it was a mystery to him. Who? I don't know much about that character, but like, do we know the mother? Do we know any... Is there any more? Canon? I don't. I don't know. Maybe Not there's really. maybe there's like a comic book or something, or a pinball machine okay. that tells us the backstory. I don't know. Yeah, I just I, I thought that was kind of fun. Daughter and, and Uncle Chekhov and. <laughs> right. She she has a whole big old family. It's fun. <laughs> she may or may not be a robot. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Um. Who else? Um. Oh, um, kind of, kind of a, um, um, of a cameo. Denobulans show up. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. And uh, Flocks kind of gets a little bit of a name drop. Yeah, they did. That was interesting. Very briefly. So there's a very brief mention of Denobulans and Denobula, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. Well, they made a fair amount of re- references to just general stuff like that, you know. Mm-hmm things you could pick out in old episodes and whatnot as well but the thing which is, sometimes can be a little meh but it wasn't bad but it's interesting you know that like we have flocks who's like the first denobulan that we know of you know on archer's enterprise and then we find out by this book that denobulans are not part of the federation anymore as long as i'm reading the same book as you are like they're not part of the, the federation anymore for whatever reason like okay, well, I mean, cool. I guess. I mean, it's been like what a hundred some odd years since um, since Archer's Enterprise. I want to say. Right, right. But um, were there were there was there anything for you, David, that was just kind of like, eh, don't like that, or just kind of like tilt your head, kind of like. Mm, kind of moment um I think I've already said mine you know like with with what's his face like Uhura's bow and I, that, that's that's about it and the Neota thing like which they which they name dropped the heck out of like Neota like is something that's they, only yeah they really did like which I, I did feel was strange because that was that was kind of like well, it wasn't really a thing beforehand, like you said, but even if we're going on Kelvin, it was like 
some but something that you only well they said it in the book too i yeah. think it was something that's for her her family and her friends it's yeah people that are closest to her like she she right. lets them know like her first name otherwise she just goes by uhura so like i felt very weird like like really like really you're, you're like you're just gonna start letting people name drop neota like like cray cray all right have at it yeah, no, I don't. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, I actually felt pretty satisfied with the, with the, with the story, uh, on the whole. I, I thought it was, you know, pretty appropriately paced. I think. I guess the only thing that I, I didn't like is sort of the resolution with, um, with our warborn. That was the only thing that I, I, I kind of wish we would have had, something different there. But I understand why, why they did it. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't really want to go into some of the kind of just general jabs at, at various stuff that, you know, I I don't always think is crazy necessary, but I, I understand why they do it. Um, but no, I, to be honest, I think aside from some of the stuff with the uh, the Horus Horus guy, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I thought I thought it was pretty cool. I, I think the only thing that that sort of frustrates me is this this constant thing that we build with Kirk uh, and not being in space when very clearly, as everyone notes, he should be in space. Like, man, Jim, we missed you over here. Ah, oh, we really could have used you here. I'm teaching. I, I mean, <laughs> is he even teaching a class? Does he even, is, is he in a lecture at a chalkboard like Dr. Jones and like, you know, some some girl in the audience like has, has like things written on her eyes, you know? I love you, Jim. You know, just who knows? But <laughs> he—he's just too busy making picnic lunches for his buddies. Uh, I, that's the only thing that just bothers me because it, it's kind of—it kind of—it kind of cycles into getting old, doesn't it? When you when you realize that you still have the will, but maybe maybe you, you just can't do something anymore. You know, like for for instance, my you know one of my grandfathers had Alzheimer's, and I, you know. For for a per, for the guy he was before that, uh, extremely difficult, extremely difficult for anybody to process that he had lost basically all all of himself towards the end. Um, but currently, Kirk is still very capable. I think I think he's still very capable, and he's kind of just he's sandbagging himself. I feel like if he if he really wanted to command a starship again and go out and do it, I don't know who would stand in front of him. Like, who, who's going to say no to the guy? Mm-hmm. So it's almost like self-sabotage, and I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, like, It feels what? a little too real, you know? Well, like, uh, I mean, I was, I had some, some friends on, and, like, I joke, you know, about calling them, like, you know, I mean, their, their, their club is called Fleet 31, but, mm-hmm. um, like even like in the captain's log or you know like some other stuff like I put like the 31st fleet has arrived like the admiral of the 31st fleet has arrived type of thing and like I get it like you know the it was written for him to be part of in like in charge of operations and the academy and stuff like that but like seriously if if his strength if Kirk's strength if his gifting whatever we want to call it is in leadership of like ships right like why not make him admiral of the pick a number fleet 
or pick a letter fleet, right? Like, why not make him, you know, the the admiral of the twenty second sector fleet something, right? Yeah, but I I feel like even in a way that might be a bit of a handicap because it, what he is is he's an on the spot thinker and he's an explorer. Essentially, he is he is what he was in the show and what Jean Luc Picard is in in the show and you know. It, but I, I just again I feel like I feel like in this era we we constantly talk about or they talk about the characters talk about having time to explore passions and uh, playing on strength, you, you know, your strengths and, um, you know, doing all this amazing stuff. But again, you, you've saddlebagged him to the Academy, which granted, yeah, I mean, okay, you, you teach the youth of tomorrow, but like, he's not dead. Like the, this guy still has time and space. Like, just let him go look at a couple pulsars again, you know, let him, <laughs> I don't know, let him run into something he can travel back through you know the gateway just you know screw up some history once you know just let him have have, it it just doesn't always make a ton of sense but sometimes plot devices for stories just clash with my rational realistic view of the world Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i gotta let it go but i just you know whatever i'm i'm dropping it (laughs) sure well um I guess as we kind of like wrap up our discussion of, of this book, um, we should probably give it like a rating of some kind. And I realize we didn't talk too much about like the Kirk storyline, but that's, that's okay. Um, I mean, how, how would you rate this book? I think we, I think we do out of 10 when it comes to books, don't we? Or do we do it out of five? I thought it was out of five and episodes out of 10, but yeah. Okay. Five five, out of five. It is then. Um, so I would say that I was, I was, I was very entertained. I, I had a good time reading it. Um, you know, I've kind of been a, a little bit in a kind of a book overload where I, I, I haven't really wanted. To, and even when before I started it, I we had text. And I was like, because I thought we were recording the week prior, and I was like, dude, I'm not ready. Like, I I, I can't even get into it. I mean, I can, but I I don't really want to. <laughs> um, so I was in that. But when I started it, I, I was pleasantly surprised. I finished it relatively quickly. Um, there are a couple little nitpicky things, but nothing big. So I, I'm probably, I, I, I would say I would probably be somewhere in the range of, um, I'm, I'm going to give it a 4.6. That's kind of where I'm at. Okay. I, I really enjoyed the heck out of this book. And um, I think you even, like, part of like the text text conversation that you and I had um, leading up to this, you were like, did you like this? It looks like I don't know if I have if I can do another bad book or whatever or something or something like that. Um, and I'm like, I, I I have had a string of not not satisfying books, unsatisfying books. So there we I go. Couldn't take a loss. No more L's, Chase. <laughs> uh, for me, um, I was I, I really I really enjoyed the mess out of um, out of this book, and um, I. Before we we switched to like the five star rating or whatever, um, I had originally thought like, you know, this is like a nine and a quarter for me. Like I really, really like this book. So I guess like if I'm doing simple math, that's probably like a four point seven two or something like that. 
um, or, or whatever. So like I'm at like a four, six, five, four, seven for this particular book. Um, like some of the stuff was like a little tedious at times. I didn't really like the, the Uhura boyfriend character at all. I just didn't like it. I didn't like the smattering of using, overusing uh, Neota, which I mean, I'm just, I'm nitpicking stuff, but like, um, I, I, I'm serious when I say like this is a book that I think has a lot of of reread value to it. Um, the, some of the books that we've read in the past, I don't care if I ever read it ever again. It can be a paperweight. It can be a coaster for all I'm concerned. Um, it's it's on the shelf. I can say I've read it, and that's about it. But like this has been a good one. Um, I really enjoyed the Dark Veil that we did um, much earlier this year. The um, that that was a good one. So. Um, and knowing um, just how well it it develops Uhura's character, even if it isn't canon, is phenomenal. Um, we also got a little bit of um, Captain Terrell, right, from um, from oh, the right. Reliant. Yeah, yeah. So that w- that was yep. cool to see, like some of the Reliant cast of characters uh, show up in this too. So um, highly recommend this book. Um, I know it's been out for um, a month and a month and a week, but. Um, month and two weeks by the time y'all hear this actually but um, highly recommend this book check it out Star Trek the original series Living Memory by Christopher Bennett um, you'll I think you'll really enjoy it so um, I did a poll I wanted to highlight this poll real quick um, I did a poll on Instagram and on uh, the Facebook group um, and thank you to everyone that's been participating on both um, we just welcomed like 15 almost 20 new people into the facebook group which is kind of crazy to me wow very cool so um and we got like we got people that are listening all over all over this place i was just looking at like some of the stats for like where people are listening and like we got people in the uk we got a lot of people a lot of people in the uk that are listening uh we got a lot of people in australia uh we have some people in canada that are listening so uh, wherever you're listening from, thank you for listening to the show. But um, the poll that I had um, intentionally um, leading up to this episode was uh, it was a this or that for more sinister tech. And the choices were Nomad or V'ger. And um, it was um, if I just break it down for um, like Instagram and Facebook, Instagram, it was like split right down the middle. It was a 50 50 type of thing for Nomad and V'ger. For Facebook, it was overwhelmingly Nomad. So the clear sinister tech in all this stuff is Nomad. So thank you everyone for participating in in the um, the little poll for evil technology that's out to kill and destroy us and maim us severely. I, I love some good evil tech, which I, I do want to say something. I've, I have not had much love for Star Trek the motion picture I have I have said many 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 times that that is the one movie that I watch to fall asleep like if I'm if I'm having like a touch of insomnia or I'm just feeling like crap and I know I need to sleep like if, I'm, if I'm having like a sick day I purposely watch that and by the time before they even finish the the Enterprise little sweep I'm asleep and I usually wake up when the credits are rolling this book, okay, this book, 
made me go back and rewatch the motion picture, made me rewatch the changeling. And I gotta say, this book somehow, in in all its majesty, gave me a newfound appreciation for the motion picture. Wow. So that's how good this book is. So if you hate the motion picture, I'll bet you a buck or six donuts that that you'll go back and you'll you'll probably appreciate the motion picture a little bit more. And the sad thing is, the motion picture is the most Star Trek of all the Star Trek movies. So yeah, it's been a long time since I've watched it. I, I need to go back. Well, there you go. Well, we are um, we're at the end of our of our little review of Living Memory. Uh, next time we do have uh, we have all these like new Star Trek books, which is really exciting. There's there's um, um, a trilogy that's going to be coming out in starting out in September, the first book of a trilogy in September, which I'm really excited about. I've been reading about it, about it for months and months now, and it's, that's going to be called um, Star Trek Coda. Um, the first one's going to be called Moments Asunder. But before we get to that, uh, we, there's a book that just came out uh, a week ago, uh, 10 days ago, um, came out on the 13th right, of, of July. And it's called Shadows Offended, and it's a Star Trek The Next Generation book. And it's got Worf in red on the front. Um, I've been hearing some mixed reviews, but uh, we're going to arrive at our own um, opinion of it once we get to it. Um, So the plan is to um, hopefully tackle this end of next month. So for our, our next book discussion, we'll be doing Shadows Offended. It's by Cassandra Rose Clark. And I gotta say... I'm a big fan of Robert Petkoff. Um, he's the guy that's been doing all the narration for the Star Trek books so far, um, all the newer ones. And I'm just, I, I'm, I'm always looking forward to whenever he narrates a Star Trek book. I just, I like his voice. I like his storytelling um, in general. And I thought he did a really good job on Living Memory. He, um, the first time I heard him was doing Last Best Hope, which was the first Star Trek Picard book. So. Um, Maybe you've, you've heard him, like with Star Trek, maybe you've heard him with other stuff, but we're in for a ride, a continue, continual ride with him doing all these other audiobook versions of these stories that we're checking out. So um, anyway, hopefully you'll join us next time for, um, for our next book. Um, because of stuff that's going to be kind of going on, I have to talk to um, um, probably the guys about this some more to kind of figure out some stuff. Um, but because I just got a faculty job teaching some grad students, um, and I'm also about to start a dissertation, and I have a newborn, we might have to do a little bit of shifting in terms of like the number of episodes. Like I might have to just do like two a month instead of like the three standard ones, um, um, just so I don't overwhelm myself or my family and my responsibilities. But um, we're, I'm going to still keep it going somehow, but it just might be different. So just, you know, be patient with me and with like the recording schedule. I'm just the little engine that can, that could, whatever will do. Words are hard, David. You're, you're not talking word, to me. Word, word, words are hard. Words are hard. I agree. <laughs> so, uh, well, David, thank you so much for joining us, joining me, um, on this little book adventure again. Yeah, no problem. That was fun. All right. Well, gang, um, I hope you I hope you really did enjoy this. I hope we didn't bore you to tears talking about this um, about this particular story. Hopefully, you go pick it up, check it out, either listening to it or actually reading it with your eyeballs in your brain. Um, 
and let it, you know if you if you do um, engage in it, let us know. Like, let us know your thoughts. Um, make sure you keep your eye out on like polls that we have on uh, Facebook, like either our Facebook stories, our um, our Instagram stories, like whatever it might be. Uh, we love engaging with you. So thank you so much for everyone that's joined the group, that's telling people about this all over the world. Really, really appreciate our tiny little shows making waves apparently, which is fantastic. Um, anyways, if you enjoyed it, uh, let us know. Uh, we would love to um, hear from you. There's multiple ways that you can get involved. You can go to trtvpod.com, uh, listen, listen to us there, share a comment, whatever, engage with us there. Um, there's more information at our website. Um, you can also support the show um, not only by telling people, but by also um, supporting us financially on Patreon. We have um, different stuff. We're going to be doing some Patreon exclusive stuff here in the near future, probably like the next uh, few weeks to a month. Uh, so just keep an eye peel, your eyes peeled if you're a patron uh, for that. Um, you can also buy shirts. We have some sweet shirts that we're designing, that we have designed, and um, I'll snap a little picture of what we're wearing right now while we're recording while you're hearing this. It's very Inception-y. I like it. Um, anyways, you can get in contact us with email. It's trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. Remember, there is a three-minute, not, not a four-minute, but a three-minute time limit, and your comments may be used on a future episode. Now, finally, if you want to mail us, like, I don't know, a song on, like, a memory stick or something, you can do that. Make sure it gets to... Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't, 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 it's don't, sent to me, not David. Better. <laughs> Make sure it gets to Lone Star Station, P.O. Box, 2455 Azel, Texas, 76098. Everyone, thank you so much for listening to us. And as we leave here today, may you always remember to boldly go and make it so.